0: You know the story well, the urge within, the internal fighting, the struggle far more often than we'd like it to be, the defeat. You know, like Edward Hopper's painting Nighthawks, you feel like that man alone at the diner, holding his glass but feeling unable to grip life. It's strange how a person feels so alone even though they never are. Such is the struggle called temptation. Even just the mere mentioning of that word, it's bringing
1: memories in your mind, isn't it? Memories that you wish you could suppress, but there they are.
0: Always there. As much as you and I don't want to admit it, We're far more intimately acquainted with those temptations and sins and weaknesses that we ever wanted to be. You know how it works. The mind and the heart, that thought comes up and the struggle happens, then the hands twitch and the deed's done, guilt buries. And then, right after, of course, the accusations begin, how could someone like you do something like that? You're a Christian, right? How could Jesus love you after what you just did? Do you think God can really forgive you? This is the 12th time this week alone that you fall into that same temptation. Do you really think he's gonna give you forgiveness this time? Do you think God really understands you? And maybe you've come here today wondering if God really does get it. Wondering if there's anybody out there who gets it. Wondering if there's anybody who can help you if you really are just on your own fighting temptations and sin. There's something Jesus
1: desperately wants to tell you. He gets it.
0: You're not the first nor the last to bury your face in your pillow where no amount of soft cotton can lighten the load of guilt-induced stress and shame. It's tightening your eyes shut. You know, all of us here, we know what this looks like, right? The temptation comes, it's almost like the life, your life scene darkens and the fight's beginning and there's that momentary pause where you're going to win or you're going to lose. And when we lose, I don't think there's a more isolating loneliness
1: than that. You know as well as I do,
0: the questions start coming in a mile a minute. You think God really loves you? You think if people knew who you are, what you struggle with, you think they'd be your friend or even look at you? I mean, how the roaring lion roars, right? People knew who you are. They wouldn't love you. In fact, Jesus, he doesn't get it either. It's on you. You need to figure this out for yourself. You get it, but nobody else does. If that's how you're feeling right now, then you understand the people who first heard this book we call Hebrews. See, this letter was written to people, 60s, A.D. Rome, Christians, who had to answer that question every day, is it worth it? Every time their property was ripped away, every time their jobs were terminated, every time the few of them stood in the arena with a drooling, bloodthirsty, ravenous lion staring them down, thousands of bloodthirsty spectators but then the deeper life question came, does, does God get it? Lord, why have you put me in this position? How can I have this fight? Lord, where are you? Do I have what it takes? And I think of a dear friend in college. He was struggling pretty badly with pornography. And I remember coming into his room and there he was, curled up on his couch, blanket over his face, And all the strength he had, all he could say
1: was but a whisper, unlovable me.
0: I don't know your struggle with sin as you do. But I do know that you know that struggle even more closely than your closest friend. It's this battle for your soul that we're all going
1: through every single day.
0: And who gets it? Does Jesus really get it? How can we move forward? You know, these temptations that you're facing, God's people have been facing them since the Garden of Eden. Ever since the devil first introduced that refrain that's resounded throughout history, did God really say? The temptations were there too for God's people in the wilderness, going to the promised land with Moses. Picture yourself for a minute, standing among two million strong, around this tent church called the Tabernacle, with it's embroidered curtains Can you hear the bleeding of sheep? Can you smell the grilled sheep on the altar? See the blood streaming down that altar. Then you see the high priest. He disappears behind the curtain of the most holy place. And you hold your breath. As the smell of blood raises your nostrils, but you're waiting to see, will your sins be atoned for? And there you see it, the visual display that your sins have been atoned for, that they've been covered, they've been forgiven then you go home with your family and your sandaled feet kick up dust and all the while you're thinking, did God really say, is it really true that I'm forgiven? Does God really get it? Will the Lord really fight for me? And maybe you're wondering right now how old the Old Testament and the priestly system, how does this connect with our conversation this morning about temptation? I know we're far removed from the Old Testament and all the sacrifices that happened then, but we're not as far away as you might think. See, the high priest for Israel, it was their representative before God. He took all the sins of the community and brought them into God's presence, but he didn't do that without his own baggage, his own sin. He needed a sacrifice just as much as anybody else did. It really was the blind leading the blind. He needed that desperate hope for forgiveness to be answered. See, whether you were a high priest or like us, not high priests, we need someone. We need someone to speak on our behalf. We need a priest who can be our representative to fight for us. We need someone to intervene. We need someone to be our champion. Because in this fight for our life, we can't win it. It's impossible for us. We need someone who can gently hold his hand over our mouths to let him do the talking as Satan accuses us. We need someone to pick up our broken temptation weapons to hide us in his shadow and to fight for us. We don't just need a priest. We need what the writer of the Hebrews calls a great high priest. And we have just the right priest for the job. We don't have a high priest who's out of touch with our reality. We have a high priest who identifies with our reality. A high priest who sacrificed himself to make us worthy to be in God's presence. A high priest who gets it. Who can empathize with you more than you will ever know. And who is he? It's Jesus, of course. But maybe you're still wondering, can Jesus really understand what it's like to stand in front of a mirror and cry when you look at your body? Does he understand what that's like? Can Jesus really understand what it's like to be shaking your head in frustration after you just lost your temper with your kids for the 10th time that day? Can Jesus really understand what it's like to go through those seasons of fear and doubt in your life? He can. In fact, he knows each of those temptations even more than you do. What does the writer of the Hebrews say? Jesus wasn't tempted in one way or two or three. Tempted in every way. The temptations that you're struggling with right now, Jesus knows them. Jesus faced every punch and kick that the devil had from age 33 seconds to 33 years. He experienced it all. You and I, we so often fall after the first round of punches. Jesus remains standing for every last punch and kick all the way to the cross for you because he loves you that much. See, Jesus' empathy, it's so much more than I feel sorry for you. When Jesus says, I feel your pain, he means it. He knows every last drop of your suffering. His empathy, it's not just a psychological feeling. It's an identification, it's an effectiveness, it's an ability to feel with, to join together with your weaknesses. Because Jesus assumed the human nature, he knows all of your temptations, all of your struggles, all of your pain, because he made it his own. Jesus gets it. There's no doubt. And as true God, he wins it for you and me too. Whatever that it is, fill in the blank. See, here's the thing. We don't have a God that we just look up to at the sky who's impassive, who's aloof, who doesn't care. No, we have a God who cares more than you and I will ever know. And how do we know that? Because our God entered our world of suffering. At the cross, we see our dying, suffering high priest sacrificing himself. So you and I never would experience what not being in God's presence is like. See, Jesus, he's not aloof. He's not distant. He's not indifferent to your suffering, no. He cared about your suffering so much he chose to walk that road with you. Jesus isn't some God that's way up there that doesn't care about you. He's right among us right now, walking with us, giving us victory and speaking to us through his word and through the sacraments. You have a God who gets it. The incarnate Christ who's ascended in heaven Literally at the right hand of God in all power, all authority, and yet he's still your merciful high priest, speaking to God the Father on your behalf. He gets it. Even when you and I are struggling by minute-by-minute by minute anxiety over what's happening in Ukraine and the fallout of what that's going to be like for all of us. Even for struggling with our doubts, our struggle with lust, our negative thoughts, our grief for what life used to be like, our fear for the future for our kids and our grandkids. All those things. Where do we find victory? It's not just in anybody. But in one high priest. See, Jesus, he is ascended. And that's an incredible thing. Because that means in God's presence, his blood that won for us forgiveness is always there. Always there. If you ever doubt that God's forgiveness is real, remember that Jesus is up there speaking on your behalf. His blood that redeemed you, it's there. At the Father's right hand. And yet it's still a struggle for us, his invisibility. We know he's here where two or three are gathered. We know he's with us. I'm with you to the end of the age. We know that. We can't visually see his presence. But you know what? That's to Jesus' advantage. Because we can't see Jesus, because he's invisible to us, this side of heaven, we know that his sacrifice is done. He's not still here making sacrifices. When Jesus said, it is finished, it was done and it still is and always will be. His invisibility reminds us he's always three trillion steps ahead of the devil. He's going to bring you home. Satan can't get in the way of that. He will make that happen. Satan doesn't know the full extent of Jesus' power or his plan,
1: but you do by faith. You have a God who stands at your side, who's going to bring you home, and who gets it, and he's overcome it. See, It's so important
0: to know Because every single day we're faced with that question. Not did God really say, but does God really love me? And that question comes up. See your Savior stumbling in victorious exhaustion as he battled the devil in the wilderness for you. When you feel overcome by temptation, not knowing how you're going to fight next, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. He says to approach the throne of grace with confidence. Not timidly, not ashamedly. You approach God's throne and you'll find something incredible happen. Jesus steps off of that throne. He walks down those steps. He throws his arms over you and you clench his robes with your hands, never letting him go. Then you open your eyes and you see his nail-marked hands never letting you go. gets it. He struggles with you. And through his victory, you find victory too. The writer of Hebrews, he tells us to go to Jesus in our time of need. Then we'll find mercy and grace. Well, you know as well as I do that our time of need is every second we breathe. There's never a time that we don't need Jesus. We need him all the time. And here's the thing. Is Jesus standing ready always to wipe away your tears at the hands of his forgiving grace? He's there to pick you back up and struggle alongside you. He's there. Even though
1: we can't see him at times, he is. And that's a fact.
0: Jesus will always run at your side. And when you trip and fall, and we will, he's right there to pick us back up and point us back to the cross, to show his empathy and compassion in a way that only he can. You get it. and Because you get it, you know Jesus
1: gets it you get what Carolina Sandelberg knew. We're going to sing a hymn in a minute here that she wrote.
0: But in order for you to really sing that hymn, I think you need to know her story. So Carolina, she was a daughter of a Lutheran pastor. She knew the warmth of her Savior well. By age 28, she had gone through severe illness. She had watched with her own eyes her father drown right before, and she couldn't do anything to stop it. She had held the hand of her sister as she died of tuberculosis and she held in her arms the closed-eyed child, stillborn daughter, that she would never get to say she loved her too. In all of that, of course the devil was right there, as you can imagine, tempting her to reject her heavenly father, her savior brother, her Holy Spirit counselor. But in those moments, she clung to what she knew to be true.
1: She would think back to a memory of a little girl
0: sitting on the ash tree in her yard. As she heard the content chirping of the birds and humming a tune that she wrote, a hymn that she wrote that became her life song. Children of the Heavenly Father, safely in his bosom gather. Neither life nor death shall ever from the Lord his children sever. Unto them his grace he showeth, and their sorrows all he knoweth.
1: Jesus gets it. You will never
0: struggle alone. You struggle with him. And with Jesus at your side, the devil can do nothing but run scared because fear is his face and his destiny is defeat and death, but that's not your destiny. Your destiny is the warm embrace of your God
1: who loves you more than you will ever know.
0: Amen